scheduled in the bottom of the ninth. Look out! Oh, my goodness. The 0-1. Oh, that got him, and it got him in the face. Oh, my goodness. Well, after the little oh, okay. practice. There we go. There we go. So, that's it. Hello and welcome. You are up and in with the Chin Music Podcast. I am Nick, your host. Alongside me today, I've got the deepest pit of college baseball knowledge. Someone who is so incredible at podcasting that the only thing he does better is husk corn. Nebraska native Ben. Ben, I'm curious, would you rather have a chance to make a single free throw for $10 million or you get two chances to make one free throw for a million dollars? Um, this is an easy pick for me, and I don't think everybody would take this, but I would take the two free throw attempts. Ooh. When I played basketball, I was an absolutely horrible free throw Um, I actually remember getting hack-a-shacked one game where, like, any time I went up at all at the ball, they would just hack me because they knew I was terrible from the line. I think I ended up going, like, 8 for 22. So I'm taking the two attempts because I need them. I'm not sinking that first free throw, especially with the pressure of that money on the line. Give me the two attempts because I really need them. Up my odds. Yeah, and I guess you figure, like, you'll be able to adjust after you miss on the first one, kind of change up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. That one... For sure. I, I think I do the single free throw for $10 million. Just the the math in me thinks that, like, even if I have, you know, like a 20% chance to make the free throw, 20% times $10 million is still $2 million, which is more than I can get the other way. Which I, to be fair, I also think that my free throw percentage is probably higher than 20%. 20%. I think I would probably put it up around 50%. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm probably doing a single free throw for 10 but also, Definitely it's because like $1 million is huge. You know, like $1 million is huge. So, I don't know. It's tough. I, I, I'd i probably do 10. It's probably a little bit too confident of me. But um, All right. Up next, I've got the greatest Valorant player on the west side of the Mississippi. It's a shame that he's had to turn down offers from every Valorant esports team so he could remain fully committed to our Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League. Please carry me out of bronze. Vansel, Vansel, I am curious. Would you rather me give you a million dollars right now or you instantly become the best checkers player in the world? Uh, give me the million dollars right now. Okay. Can you can you even make a million dollars playing checkers? I don't know, honestly. Like I feel like I would have to like try to hustle people. Yeah, you don't think there's like a World Checkers Championship that you could go and win? I mean, maybe, but is the prize money a million dollars? Is the money that you give me tax-free? Yeah, it's tax-free. Okay, well, the the money from winning a Checkers Championship wouldn't be. So. True, but you could win a Checkers tournament year after year, I imagine. Well, what if I invest a million dollars and get a million dollars and return every year on average okay. okay okay i believe you i think that's a little bit tougher than you made it sound though i think i would have to think about that a little bit longer <laughs> i'll but go like, back to college for chess and get a bunch of nil deals i was about to say if if the prompt was chess it would be easy best chess player in the world right 
Yeah, I feel like there's more money in chess than checkers. Yeah, there definitely is. But, like, even if... Okay, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Like, even if... What do you think the World Championship chess prize pool is? I mean... Oh, okay. It looks like the total prize money for the World Championship of checkers was about $11,500. Okay, so I just, you know, do that 100 (laughs) times. Yeah, win the world championship a hundred times. Okay, uh, yeah. maybe you made the right choice, but you could be like a like a checkers content creator. I don't know. Kind of, I don't know if there's a large market for that. Probably not. Okay, what if the prompt was you would never lose a game of checkers for the rest of your life? I guess that's kind of the same thing. I mean, if I'm the best, how would I lose? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I'd probably take a million dollars. I thought that the World Checkers Championship would have been bigger than that. I guess chess is just... You should have done, like, cornhole or darts. I feel like that would be a better one. You think those World Championships are bigger than checkers? I guess you're probably right. Absolutely. They're televised on ESPN okay. and stuff. Okay. Well, I think... Okay, fair enough. Taking <laughs> a million is probably the right decision. <laughs> well, now I have a question for you. Oh, one-up your question for me. Okay. So many economists feel that unrestricted free trade raises the economic welfare of a nation. However, given our various values and ethical systems, do you agree or disagree with this position? I don't think that unrestricted free trade is good for everybody, no. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> I, I, what do you mean, why? I think a lot of people have I mean, taken advantage of in a system like that. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to go in depth, I feel like I went in depth with your checkers question. <laughs> I guess we can move on. Um, I disagree with your yeah. premise. All Wait. right. I have, I have a bonus question for both of you as well, by the way. Um, what movie are you both going to go see this weekend? Um, I probably won't go. I'm an Oppenheimer man. Ben's an Oppenheimer man. And Vance, what did you say? Uh, I probably won't be seeing a movie this weekend. What? I am not even really that interested in either movie, to be completely honest. But I feel like it's just the thing to do this weekend is just go to watch one of them. I'll probably watch uh, Messi's uh, Inner Miami debut and call that good. I'm sure there are plenty of showtimes. You could probably do both of those things. All right. If I had to pick one, I would pick Oppenheimer, IMAX theater, front row. A front row and an IMAX is asking for neck problems for the next week. I want to feel like I was at the the testing site. (laughs) I've seen, I think I want to watch Oppenheimer. I don't even know like what the premise of the Barbie movie is. I have no idea what's going on in that. We both know um, you're going to see the Barbie movie. <laughs> well, I, I think that the Oppenheimer movie, I've heard like really good things. And um, the guy who plays the main character, what's his name? Cillian Murphy. Apparently, Tyler Glasnow. Yes, Tyler Glasnow. Um, apparently the, the director of the movie like put him in that role and then really like molded and structured the whole movie and like the entire casting around him. 
like when he was recruiting other cast members to join the team, he was like, are you willing to use your role to build Cillian up in his role? And I think that whole premise seems like interesting. And I want to go see his performance really is what I want to see. So yeah, I'll probably go. That movie is three hours long. See, I think long movie haters, I think that's a bad take. I like a good long movie. I feel like a majority, I feel like a majority of movies could be longer than they are. I'll say it, which I've, I, I do feel that is a bad take. And I think a lot of people probably disagree with me. But I think I like long movies. I like a good long movie, but like, you know, this is like one of the only circumstances where it's allowed. You got like a historical flick. You can go three hours with that. But I feel like if like any time a comedy runs longer than an hour 45, I'm like, all right, hurry it along here. Um, but yeah, it definitely depends on the genre, but I don't hate long movies. You know, I've seen the Irishman multiple times. Yeah, I, well, I will say that, well, I talked about it on the pod when I watched the, uh, Lord of the Rings on the plane. I, I just literally didn't have time to do that though. I just watched the first hour of the first and the last hour of the last, but those are good long movies too. All right. So we'll have to, we'll have to talk in the future about what we think about those movies that we watched this weekend. Um, all right. It looks like we can jump right into, uh, oh, content updates. Yes. We're talking about what we're going to watch in the future. Let's talk about what we've been watching. It's been a while since we've chatted. I think it's been three weeks since our last episode. So hopefully you all have tons of content to talk about. Vance, what have you been watching? Uh, not a ton. Honestly, I've been busy with work, school, and I've been golfing a lot. But I guess my main content right now is the YouTuber Joshua Wiseman, former fine dining chef that now just has a YouTube channel. And I just kind of watch his videos for background. What does he do? Uh, he's got, a, I guess, a few series that he does. I think his main series is where he'll like he'll try like some fast food i don't like let's say the big mac and then he'll make it like super fancy or, or like he'll have someone go and pick up takeout and in that time he'll make like a much better dish or something just generally trying to encourage people to cook more i think is the the message that is common throughout his videos yeah, I definitely need to cook more. What's your favorite meal that you cook? Uh, my favorite meal? Um, I don't know. Maybe a nice panini sandwich. I feel like it's fast and easy and you can't really go wrong. Yeah, do you put veggies on your panini sandwiches? Uh, I usually do pickles and maybe some lettuce if I have it. Do you do it before or after meaning it before I don't, I don't know if that's the proper term there okay okay that's just curious Ooh, or like in my own homemade like qdoba bowl oh, that's, that's always a solid one too 
All right, Ben. Nick, you're going to love this. Uh, I rewatched Avatar The Last Airbender, and I'm watching The Legend of Korra right now. I do love that. So, it was uh, pretty solid. I've seen them both before, but, you know, I'm, I'm running out of stuff to watch, and everything that's coming out is bad. Um, so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm down to just rewatching stuff, and that, that was up in my cycle. So that's, uh, that's what I've been taking in. Nice. I was going to try and use the uh, webcam to show you all my oppa tattoo on my thigh, but one, podcast listeners, that wouldn't do a whole lot of good, and I'm pretty sure you all have seen it already, but yes, I'm a huge Avatar fan. I want a uh, Uncle Iroh tattoo. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Uncle Iroh is the man. He is the man. Uh, my brother has like a Uncle Iroh's Jasmine tea shirt. It's, it's a really solid shirt. Very solid. Um, yeah, I, I finally went and watched all of the uh, Andrew Garfield um, Under the Banner of Heaven show. Very good. Very solid show. Creepy. Um, but yeah, overall very good. I just, I really like Andrew Garfield. I should have watched that right when it came out. I know I'm a huge Andrew Garfield fan. I'm going to like anything he's in. Um, but no, I think it was like objectively a good show. I don't think I'm biased because of my Andrew Garfield appreciation. Um, that was good. I'm trying to think of what else I really have been watching. If I really watched anything. I, I, I Only think that's here. What'd you say? Under the Banner of Heaven's like his favorite show. Who? Brock. Oh, I, well, we'll mention it when he hops on where Brock, I guess I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Brock's running a little bit late today. Said he was taking a test. That's pretty much the only context we got. We don't know uh, what kind of test he's taking. We'll have to ask him about it when he shows up. But yeah, no, it's it's. That was a solid show. Really appreciated that performance. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much what I've been taking in. Um. Oh, I guess I, I watched, I've been watching through the new season of Kardashians um, due to some influence in my life. Um, and that has been interesting. I'm up to date on all the drama. Well, I guess I'm sort of up to date on all the drama. It's all like a couple months behind, obviously, because they have to record and like produce the show and stuff. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I'm, all I'm taking in. YouTube. I mean, I guess I watch like Twitch and YouTube and stuff, but I don't really stick to one thing there. We've got next up, we've got tea around the league. So some interesting stuff happened this week. I don't know if you saw this news. Uh, we'll start with Ben on this, but the Diamondbacks, they failed to complete a deal with Bally Sports. Uh, that's now the second team that's done that. Uh, the Padres also did that. And MLB took over broadcasting their games, which is interesting. I don't really know. I don't know if you saw this or if you know what exactly that means. Like, I don't know. Like, I understand that now there's like a second subscription on MLB TV where you have to subscribe to watch like the Padres games. But I don't know. Like, are the broadcasters still the same? I imagine like all of that is all disconnected, right? I don't know for sure, but. I think that's all disconnected, but it's interesting because it seems like, from my perspective, Valley Sports is kind of going out of business. I've heard rumors that they're struggling a lot financially, and Valley Sports is broadcasting, I think, like over 50% of MLB, if not even more. Um, but it, I don't know, like, what 
what that does to the game if they do actually go out of business and stop broadcasting. I guess the MLB is just going to take over everything. And it's going to be a blackout nightmare, and nobody's ever going to have any chance to watch a game. But you guys have any thoughts on Valley Sports seemingly going out of business and losing all these deals? Will it still be a blackout nightmare if you have, like, MLB TV? Like, I know you got to buy the separate subscription, but, like, will it become you have to, like, subscribe to a certain team's games? That would be interesting. I I don't know. That's interesting to think about as well. Because as, as far as I understand, the way that they're doing it with these teams that they're taking over, it's just you have to subscribe – separately to watch their games if you live like in the originally blacked out region like because i'm outside the blacked out reason region for the padres and i have mlb tv and i can still watch the padres so i don't actually know how that works or how they determine what the blackout region is and my question is like people that don't have mlb tv and have like cable do they just not have the padres and diamondbacks anymore like i said this doesn't really apply to me and probably i don't know it might apply to you all, but like if people are watching it on cable and watching it through like their Valley Sports Network and then MLB takes it over, do they have to like and then go and subscribe to um, to the MLB subscription? I don't know. That's just that's weird to me, especially like because it's happening in the middle of the season. So hypothetically, somebody has this cable to watch the Diamondbacks games and now all of a sudden they just can't watch them anymore unless they go and subscribe to MLB. So that's weird. Well, I imagine that the the deal would not expire in the middle of the season. They just didn't extend it. Yeah, right? I, I noticed that too. But it looked like it said MLB was going to immediately take over broadcasting for the Diamondbacks games. But then it said that the Bally Sports contract with the Diamondbacks had like three years left on it. And I was – I don't know how all that works. I'm not really the right person to talk about it. But I just thought that yeah. was interesting. So does that mean that the team – doesn't get broadcasting revenue either. Just MLB does it. So then they don't have a contract to share that revenue. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. And I know there's like revenue sharing with MLB teams. So I don't know if that happens with broadcasting revenue too, but I think a lot of it is pooled. Yeah. I'm sure it's not as lucrative though. Yeah. That's why they would be signing those deals. Also, Christian and Kinarcy on Strand first MLB home run. Yep. Nice. I also, Luis Arise just struck out twice in one game. I think it's got to be the first time all year. I don't know. He only has like 18 strikeouts all year long, so I can't imagine he's struck out multiple times in a game, but Cardinals struck him out twice today. Mm -hmm. It's because they have the strikeout philosophy now. Yeah. Um, So I just thought that talking about Valley Sports, because I think that impacts, I mean, like I said, I don't know how much that impacts like you all, because I have MLB TV subscription. That's how I watch pretty much all the games. Um, but it probably impacts a lot of people like in the area of, you know, the team that they're trying to watch. Yeah. I mean, I have MLB TV, but I can't watch Cardinals games on it because I'm in St. Louis. So I guess if Bally sports went out, I wouldn't be able to watch Cardinals games kind of like Brock. Right. Unless you know like, Brock doesn't get anything because he's blacked out. So he has to only watch them through MLB beginning, which as we know, I do not enjoy. Yeah. So, do you know the price of that separate subscription? Um, I think it was like a half-season deal because obviously it's happening in the middle of the year. And I saw it when it happened with uh, the Padres because the Padres happened like a month ago. And mm. I think it was supposed to be like 70 or 80 bucks for the rest of the season. 
Interesting. Seems it's expensive just, yeah, as an add-on if you already have MLB TV. Yeah, I thought it seemed expensive too. Um, but the other news around the league, my personal favorite uh, sports, I don't know what you call him, sports media guy, um, Jeff Passan broke his back. I don't know if you guys saw this tweet, but it, he always does like the breaking headline and it was breaking my back. He's just, he's very funny and was in good spirits considering he broke his back. But he said, I guess he was in Colorado. Um, I think it sounded like he was at a game or something and there was a big storm and a tree fell down and landed on top of him. So that sounds incredibly painful. And he's like, he's kind of the guy in baseball. I, can't, I don't really think anybody like is anywhere near him in terms of baseball breaking news. Um, and, and like people who are like reliable in that sense. So it's kind of, it's a big time for him to be breaking his back. We got the trade deadline coming up. It was MLB draft time and he hadn't tweeted in a while. And I have his notifications on. So I was a little bit confused why he hadn't been tweeting, but there's a lot of sports news going on right now. So I'm, I'm curious, do you guys think that uh, we should pick up the uh, Chin Music social media game and step up for the trade deadline breaking news? Like, start chatting with all of our sources that we have and break some news. Yeah, I think our large following, uh, we would probably be able to absorb his too and create some kind of merger. Uh, so I guess if we all just quit everything that we're doing and can dedicate all our time, that would be very beneficial to us. Also, is it Passan or Passan? I think it's Jeff Passan. I don't know for sure though. I think I've heard it pronounced both ways. Yeah, I, uh, I've i heard him talk like in interviews and stuff, but I can't say that I remember him ever hearing him say his name. But it kind of leads me to talk about sports media power rankings, uh, specifically baseball, obviously. Do you guys have, like, I tried to list some names here, like Nightingale, Passin, Carabas. Heyman, Chris Towers, Scott White, DVR, Eno Saris, like those kind of guys. And I probably missed a lot too. Like the, I didn't, I missed the ESPN guys and the RotoWire guys. Um, but do you guys have like a like who's your guy? Vance, you uh, I would say. My guy that I see the most tweets of is Jared Carabas, but that's not really for, like, breaking news. I just kind of like his takes, and I think it's funny when he's trolling other fan bases. Uh, during the lockout, I remember Bob Nightingale was kind of the man in that, so he kind of moved up on the power rankings, and I even changed my group me name in one of our either fantasy or dynasty league to Bob Nightingale, but then he also tweeted that Albert Pujols was getting a divorce and everyone hated him for that. It was a pretty bad tweet. And, uh, yeah, he kind of dropped in the power ranking. So He also just, I don't know, he has some pretty ridiculous tweets sometimes. I do not like Bob Nightingale. Um, yeah. I, I, I'd say that mine is honestly pretty similar to you. Like, I think Carabas is probably the one that shows up in my timeline the most. And I agree, it's because I mostly like his takes. And I am kind of like a little bit of a closeted Red Sox fan because of him. I like listening to his uh, his podcasts. 
uh, what's oh it's called name redacted podcast right now but it used to be called section 10 um and i really like i think i really like his humor and i think Carabas is definitely the guy that i think i enjoy well that and passing honestly i think passing super funny too and Carabas and passing get along pretty well and he'll call jeff passing on his uh podcast a lot but obviously i really like like the people that i go to for reliable fantasy knowledge. And well, I guess it's breaking news is passing fun, you know, takes and stuff. I go to Carabas and then my fantasy analysis, I pretty much go to the CBS guys, Chris Tower, Scott White, and then the uh, athletic guys, DVR Amino. What do you got, Ben? Who, who are some of your favorite sports media baseball people? Um. I'm personally a uh, I'm an Enosaurus man. I like the stuff plus model. I think it's fun. I'm into advanced stats, and you know he gives you that in spades. Also, he's uh, he's pretty big into the prospect world, where I feel like a lot of other sports you know media guys are are not. They kind of neglect that part a little more. And I love MLB prospecting. I think it's so much fun to look forward and see who the next guys might be. Um, and Eno does a good amount of that. Um, I'm going to throw in one you don't have on the list. Uh, little known guy who runs something called uh, Just Baseball Media. I listen to their po- every one of their podcasts pretty much. Uh, but he's big into prospecting. His name's Arm Layton. Um, not a huge following on Twitter, but I really like the guy. Uh, so I'll give him a little shout out here. Um, super duper into prospects, like deep, deep. Has knowledge on like probably like the top three or 400 and they he has a podcast just dedicated to um prospects and kind of like who's hot and they have like a bunch of different guys on they've had pete crow armstrong on a bunch of other uh pretty high profile prospects so uh those are the two i'm gonna go with a little different than you boys nick who is the guy that cbs talks about that's the pitching guy uh lance uh, Dombronski or yeah, along I really lines. like his reports because he goes into depth on like the the spin rates and just breaking down various pitches and like he'll cover the trends like he'll talk about the sweeper trend like like lefties throwing sweepers to righties and break down numbers like that. So I enjoy seeing those reports. And then my prospect guy that I like to follow on Twitter is Eric Cross. He sounds like he's similar to your kind of guy, Ben, where it's just like he'll tell you who's hot. He'll give you some reports that will be like who kind of prospects at different levels that had the, the best month, the best week, and just kind of keeps me up to date in the prospect world that I don't spend a lot of time on. So I kind of look to him to give me a quick analysis. Yeah, the pitching guy is Lance Brozdowski, Lance Braz on Twitter, and he has some really good pitching info. I'm glad you brought him up. Um, like just talking about, and he uses a lot of that, you know, Sarah's stuff plus model. He's very reliant on that, which I think is a good model. And he just talks about guys like he talks, and he does like pretty in-depth analysis on pitchers. Every single day he'll do, like he just picks and chooses like three or four pitchers to talk about. Like we're looking at his most recent one, he talked about Grayson Rodriguez returning yesterday. Rodriguez's stuff looked pretty good all across the board. His velo is up like half mile an hour on everything he was throwing. Um, and uh, everything just 
looked a lot better than what he did in April and May when he was kind of getting blown up. And then he talked uh, in depth about Quinn Priester, who made his debut for the Pirates. Um, and his stuff just did not look good. Um, a lot of the, like the driveline stuff plus is like 73, 81, 55, 92. Like it's just, and for reference, stuff plus average, MLB average is 100. So all of his pitches were pretty much below average besides his slider, which was a 112, but everything else was below average. So he didn't look that good. And he didn't really strike that many people out again in swinging strikes. So I think the results lined up with those numbers too. Um, that's good. The one guy that I'm glad nobody mentioned is uh, Chris. I can't even think what his name is now. Um, the the prospect guy that they always bring on. And Clegg? What'd you say? Chris Clegg? No, it's Chris. Uh... Shoot. I wish Brock was here because Brock and I share our disliking of this guy's analysis it's so bad he lives in he lives in arizona and he oh goes, i know who you're talking about the arizona I don't know who you're talking about but I don't know his name. yeah he, he goes the, the arizona fall league all the time and like every single time he talks about any prospect he always loves to give this little anecdote about like i saw him pitching on a backfield one time and he it's like nobody cares like it's so annoying and he all it's just and he's just i honestly like his analysis Chris Welsh, that's it, yes. His analysis and stuff on prospects, like, isn't actually that bad. Like, I think he probably knows his stuff. The only thing that he, I think he messes up is that he's really biased with the Diamondbacks. Um, but the thing that I can't stand is just, like, his different, like, ticks and stuff that he goes through every single time he talks about a guy. And he's always like, I shook this guy's hand, and he was massive. He was 6'4". It's like, okay, you could find that out just by Googling it, like. He's just, he's really, I think he's really frustrating to listen to, honestly. Um, and I, like I said, I wish Brock was here because Brock and I always text. But whenever I'm listening to CBS podcast, he says something ridiculous. I always text Brock. He's like, yeah, that's absurd. I feel right. like I had blinders on when it came to the Welsh. And now the next time I listen to him, it's going to be revealed to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, I think like for the first couple times, they like brought him in. He was like, this was our new prospect guy. And I was like, Oh, this is exciting. So I like, went and like followed him on Twitter. And I was like, really getting into it. Like the first two or three times I listened to him. And then after that, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like this is horrible and unwatchable. I, I sent Brock and I have like threads and threads of texts back and forth about all of the negative things about his analysis. I'll have to send you a screenshot so you can really dive into all the stuff that he messes up. But yeah, it's uh it's it's almost it's almost unlistenable when he's on the podcast now for me. He's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he's about. listening to us saying the same things. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I've listened to like several prospect podcasts, and I have a couple that I like to listen to. And I've tried to listen to Welsh's Prospect One, prospect one yeah. and it is horrible. It is just so terrible to listen to. Yeah, and like I said, I don't, I don't think that maybe his like prospect knowledge is all that bad, but I think that like he's just a bad podcaster, you know, like he's just not good at telling his ideas in a way that is enjoyable to consume. Um, 
All right, now that we've spent five minutes talking about why no none of us like Chris Welsh, <laughs> we can move on to the next topic of the uh, kind of the All-Star weekend that we just had. We had the MLB Futures game, the All-Star game, the Home Run Derby. Uh, my first question, I guess, is who watched the Futures game? Anybody partake in that? Ben, did you watch the Futures game? I feel like if anybody of us watched it, it would have been you. Yeah, it was a kind of a pitcher's duel, honestly. Um, most of the arms looked really good, which is like kind of to be expected because everybody's stuff's going to play up when you're throwing one inning. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from it is that if Jacob Mizorowski doesn't get hurt and can like hone in command a little bit, he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball. Like that dude's just disgusting. He's got the Joe Ryan arm angle, but he throws 102 and has like two arguably plus off speed pitches. He's like. one of the grossest pitchers I've ever seen. Brewers just sent him up to double A already. Um, was considered a stuff over command guy and like a lot of moving parts, a lot of worries out of the draft, but like he looks nuts. Um, you boys also love this. Tink Hence was like widely considered the other winner, got his fastball up to 99, looked really good. So um, I think those, those guys were probably the biggest takeaways and just like how nasty their stuff looked. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a pitcher's game, not a lot of uh, highlights from the bats. Yeah, and I feel like in a game like that, and in the All-Star game too, I feel like it's hard. Like when a guy's only getting like one or two at-bats, it's hard to really get anything out of it from a position player. Um, I, I just looked at the box score to check the guys on my dynasty team. Like I think Lawler went 0 for 2, and I don't, I don't remember what, how the other guys did. But um, – yeah, it was. It looked like it was kind of a pitching duel, which also the All Star game was kind of a pitching duel, uh, three to two, which often, which often it is as well. Um, my next question is, uh, this one I'll start with Vansel. Vansel, do you prefer the home run derby or the All Star game? Uh, you cut out for me. What was the second option? The All Star game, home run derby or the All Star game? Oh, I guess. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can I can hear you fine. Ben, can you hear him? Yes. Can you hear me? All right, I'm off I'm off Wi-Fi now. I think I'm good. What was the question? Sorry. Um, just which do you prefer between the All-Star game and the home run derby? And like do you watch them both? Do you look forward to one more than the other? Uh I watch them both. I enjoyed the home run derby. Uh especially this year with Vladdy absolutely roping that laser to left field and hitting the kid. That was kind of funny. I don't know why they always just send a bunch of children out there to get murdered, but they do. They've done it every year. Uh, But I'm more of an all-star game guy. I think it's really fun to just see the top of the talent actually go out there and try. It's unlike any other all-star game where they're just kind of like half-assing it. Because, you know, they don't want to get hurt because it's, you know, like football's a physical game at the end of the season. Like, they don't care. MLB, they actually go out there and try. And I think by far just MLB all-star festivities in general is just a lot better than every other sport. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the whole week, weekend, whatever you want to call it. But big all-star game guy, especially when you can kind of interview the players and get more of their personality and the in the whole weekend too. Yeah, I think honestly, I couldn't really agree with everything that you just said more. 
Um, I think I'm definitely an all-star game before uh, home run derby guy. I think it's ridiculous that the kids are out there trying to catch 110 mile an hour liners. Um, it makes no sense. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, the all-star game was a good watch this year. I also really like the player interviews and all that kind of stuff that goes on. Um, yeah, it was all good. I think everything, everything pretty much, I mean, I really liked the weekend. The home run derby, I honestly, I don't know. Like, it's fine. I think if, like, players that I cared about more were in it, I probably would have been more into it. Like, it was fun this year, I will say. Like, watching Julio. Well, you probably and, stoked to see Pete Alonzo lose. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, I was also stoked to watch Julio hit 41 in his home park. That was cool. Or was it 41 or 42 or 43? I can't remember, but he had a really crazy round. Um, and that was fun. So I guess, yeah, that's fun. But I, I am just an all-star game person. But I was surprised, and the reason why I bring this up is because I saw um, I saw a Twitter poll about which one you prefer. And I think it was like almost 70% home run derby. People prefer the home run derby. I think everybody's just so soured on all-star games from other sports that they don't like tune in to the baseball all-star game. But it's like, like you can't, like you were saying, all the other all-star games are half-assed. Like you can't half-ass like pitching a baseball. Like if you half-ass pitching a baseball, like you're going to hurt yourself, you know? So like guys go out there and obviously if a guy's throwing 99, like you're not going to like stand in the box and not care. Like you're, you're a threat of like getting hurt. There's a projectile coming at you and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like, like, it, it'd be pretty hard to not try in the All-Star game, I think, for baseball. And I do think it's just good content watching guys play baseball in the All-Star game. Ben, what about you? Which do you prefer? Going to be totally honest, uh, I'm not a huge fan of either. Um, I feel like a lot of it's, like, kind of a baseball black hole. Like, yeah, you get the All-Star game, you get fun festivities and stuff, and, like, obviously it's a needed break for the players, but, like, I just want to be watching regular games, to be honest with you. Um, also, like, the whole minor leagues takes a break, so, like, that part that I, like, track pretty religiously is gone as well. You just get, like, a little taste of, like, a few guys in the Futures game. I'm not a huge all-star game weekend guy, though. You know, it is fun. The home run derby can be fun sometimes. I think this year, like, performance-wise, I wasn't super excited about the participants, but... I think the performances were, like, pretty exciting. Uh, Adley switching around the dish, even though he only made it out of the first, was pretty cool. So I'm not huge into it, but, like, you know, I understand it. I, I do agree that it is the best of the all-star games of any sport. I think the others are pretty unwatchable. Yeah, I think well, to be gap... fair, Go ahead, Vansel. I was just going to say, to be fair, we're not all grinders like Ben. You know, no, not everyone's watching those Royals athletics games trying to find those hidden gems like Ben. So, I mean, I understand his perspective, but, you know, he's different. He's cut from a different cloth. So we're just not built like him, and that's that's a fair opinion. I will say that I felt the gap this year more than I think I ever have before, but I think the reason is because aren't there usually games on the Thursday after the All-Star game? Like, I feel like it's usually just a three-day break, and this year was a four-day. Am I am I wrong in thinking that? 
Like, I know I know every team doesn't play on that Thursday, but I think usually it's like at least two or three games. I don't know. I could be wrong. But I, I did feel like the break this year felt extra long for the All-Star um, breaks. So that was – I agree. I think that, that the break is kind of a bummer. But I think the All-Star game is still fun and watching – like all the best players in the league go and play is a good time. Um, next up, I've, I've got MLB draft. That's another thing that happened. Um, I didn't realize it always lines up so close to the all-star game, but that was kind of fun. It was baseball content. I don't know. I just hit a walk-off dinger. Um, it doesn't usually. They kind of changed it recently. The, uh, yeah, okay. The- I was about to say. So that gave us, like, during this break, it gave us, you know, more baseball content to chat about. Um, the MLB draft reaction. So I guess I'll start with you, Ben. Uh, do you have any favorite picks from the MLB draft? Like, favorite picks, landing spots? I, I guess that's kind of two different things. Like, favorite picks and favorite landing spots. And then also, like, least favorite picks. I like, do you think anybody kind of blundered at all? I'll, uh, I'll give you a couple favorites. Kyle Teal to the Red Sox is really nice. Number one rated catcher in the draft. Red Sox needed catching bad, maybe like the worst positional need by any team. Like their catching minor league system is terrible. At the big league level, it's pretty subpar. I think Connor Wong's their best catcher. Um, So I thought that was a great pick. Really good fit. Plus he fell and like just right into their laps. So I really liked that one. Um, the next one I'll go Enrique Bradfield to the Orioles. I'm not a huge Enrique Bradfield guy. He's Billy Hamilton kind of player, um, incredibly, incredibly fast, good defender, but the bat is a huge question mark. And if there's a system that's been really good at developing bats, that would be the Baltimore Orioles. I think they can probably help him get the most out of that, and he probably ends up like a decent little big leader, big leaguer who kind of hits like Nine hole for good Orioles teams plays impeccable defense and steals 30, 40 bags. So I like those landing spots a lot. Um, my least favorite pick of the draft was Blake Mitchell, number eight to the Royals. Um, I didn't get it at all. High school catchers are the riskiest profile of any type of player. And the Orioles take a guy who may have been there in the second round at eight overall and he has the riskiest profile possible. What? I mean, the Royals are in need of some guys who hit. They just need players, man. And they go with a guy who has like probably like a 5 or 10% chance of like even being a big leaguer. So I thought that was a terrible pick, and I, I really didn't understand it. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of my big, big picks from the draft that I have like strong opinions about. Yeah, I was. I'm not obviously that deep into like high school baseball in Texas, but even I was watching the draft. Um, and when the Royals picked the Blake Mitchell, they all kind of like looked at each other and they're like, "Ah, uh, this is a little bit of a questionable pick." And they talked specifically about picking high school catchers and how it's just, it's just the hit rate is so low. So. Yeah, that's that's a tough pick. Uh, Vance, you got any uh, favorite picks, least favorite picks? I think you're going to take a few of mine. It's going to be a bummer, but I'll let you go still. Yeah, uh, my favorite pick, uh, I'm not as in-depth in on those prospects as Ben is, so mine were very early picks, being 
My favorite being Wyatt Langford to the Rangers. I, we were talking about this before we started recording, but he is just arguably one of the most talented in the draft and just has a ton of potential. He tore it up in, this year in college. And the nice part for the Rangers, uh, they're a team that's already competing. They need some outfield help. He's an outfielder. And so he'll likely be able to rise quickly through their team and get into the majors sooner rather than later, which I think just makes that overall just a nice fit. Um, and then my least favorite one was the Detroit Tigers first pick, which was the pick before, uh, who was just a high schooler outfielder who, you know, will probably be solid, but I just feel like they should have taken White Langford. I thought he was you know, I feel like you just, as an organization, you couldn't take someone over Paul Skeens and um, drawing a blank on the other guy's name. Dylan Cruz. Yeah. Yes, Dylan Cruz. Thank you. I feel like you just couldn't take someone over those two without getting some a lot of question marks just because they, their name's value was just so much higher after this College World Series. So I thought for sure that Langford was going to go three and the fact that the Tigers passed him up, I just thought was a big mistake. I'm assuming they wanted to go younger just because they're not near being ready to compete. So they didn't want that fast riser, but still, I feel like sometimes you just, you know, you have to take that clear talented pick. So I thought that was a, a missed opportunity for them. Not saying that their, their draft pick uh, Clark uh, is going to be bad. By any means, you know, he's a high schooler. There's a lot of time to tell, but I just thought that that was a miss by them. Yeah, I think I think the top five were kind of set. And anybody after that, I, I do think it probably was a top three and then a next two with uh, Clark and Jenkins being after Wyatt Langford. But I don't have as big of a problem with Max Clark being taken there. Um, but my, the, the picks that I'm going to highlight, I, I do think they should have taken Wyatt Langford. And Wyatt Langford dropping to the Rangers is like, that's just unfair. That's so frustrating that the Rangers are already as good as they are, and now they have Wyatt Langford who's going to be MLB ready like at the end of next year. That could be an exaggeration, but he's, he's going to be really good, and the ceiling is very high. Um, I was surprised you didn't take any of my picks, actually. Um, my two favorite picks were both pitchers in the top 10. Actually, um, I can't remember if you took one of these guys or not, but Rhett Lauder out of Wake Forest to the Reds. Uh, we saw him in that pitching duel against Skeens in the uh, College World Series where neither of them gave up a run. Um, I, I really like Rhett Lauder. I think he's a solid player, and I think the Reds do a fantastic job of developing arms, and I think he couldn't have really fallen into a better place. Um, his, I mean, I, I think he's got a lot of pitches and I think he's going to be ready for the majors sooner than a lot of people think. Um, he, he seems very like they had an interview with him. He seemed like a really good guy. He's a painter, which I think is dope. Um, and I just think that he's kind of a guy that like will master his craft. Um, it just seems like he's going to really have it, have it all. I don't know. He, he doesn't throw the ball super hard, which obviously isn't like a plus nowadays everybody's throwing it you know upper 90s 
Um, and he's he kind of sits low to mid 90s. But I, I just think that he's got the control and he's got the work ethic. And I think he's going to be really good, especially in the red system. I think they're going to flash him up really nicely. Um, another landing spot that I really like was Noble Meyer. Uh, I believe he was the first high school pitcher off the board. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but he's just this massive. He looks so young. Like it was crazy when they picked him. He looked so young. But he's, I think, six four. His hands are huge. Like he's a freak. He's kind of the opposite of Rhett Louder, to be honest. Like he's already thrown a hundred and he's 18 years old. Um, and he he is, I think, going to be really special. It's going to be a long time. So I think, in terms of like fantasy relevance or like as a Marlin fan, like it's going to be a while till you see him. Um, but I think he's got a chance. I think he maybe has the highest upside of any pitcher in this draft besides maybe Skeens. Um, but I think Noble Meyer to the Marlins is very exciting. And then the landing spot that I liked the least was Chase Dolander. I don't know if it's Dolander or Dolander. Um, out of Tennessee to the Rockies. He just, his last like 365 days have just been so unfortunate. Coming into this year before Skeens blew up, he was supposed to be the number two pick behind Dylan Cruz. Um, and he just did not have that good of a year at Tennessee this year. Um, the stuff is still like kind of nasty, but he just, he was, he was walking a lot of guys this year and um, giving up more home runs. But like I said, like his, his, his stuff, I think has a lot of potential and could have been honed in. Like if he would have been taken by the Marlins or the Reds, I think, um, it could have been like an like a buy low type deal, like he because he like I said he was one of the top guys going in. He was projected to be the number two pick before the college season started and kind of fell. Um, and then not only does he fall from his senior, but then he ends up in Colorado. Like I think it's a really good pick for Colorado, honestly, because like I said, he was supposed to be like a top one two pick prior to this year, um, and then they end up getting him at nine, and they're never gonna sign a good pitcher in free agency so like kudos to the rockies i think it's an incredible pick for them but i think it just could not have been any bad any worse for him personally so like i'm kind of in uh kind of in vansel's boat here like all my picks are all in the top 10 I, I don't have like a deep dive like uh like ben's got but i also really like chase davis uh to the cardinals i think would be Crazy not to mention him. His swing looks so close to Carlos Gonzalez, which is insane. Um, like they were doing the side-by-side -side when he got drafted. Um, I, I think his his biggest con was that he only he didn't do it very long. Um, like he struck out a lot just as recently as last year, and then this year he cut his strikeout rate a lot and was just hitting the ball really hard. But I don't know if his track record is as long as maybe some of the other guys. But I think at 21 he was a really good pick. He could – I mean, the way that he looked this year, I think he could be arguably one of the best hitters in the entire draft. So that if one, you didn't mention him, I was going to. Yeah, yeah. And Chase Davis, I think, is that's a really good pick for the Cardinals there. And I think the track record should be less of a concern considering he was considered like a second-round talent out of high school. Like he was going to be a really high pick, but he was in that COVID draft, which sent a lot of guys to college. And, you know, despite the K concerns, like he showed, the, you know, the ability to make an adjustment – which I feel like sometimes can be more impressive than a guy kind of just walking through. You can see that he can learn 
develop, grow, and kind of fix stuff. So I love the pick. I think he's a top 10 talent. I was shocked he was still there when you guys were picking. Yeah, Vance, you got something? Yeah, I, I also did see that apparently him, Mason Wynn, and Jordan Walker were all friends already, close friends from just playing in their high school days. So that's kind of nice that they're all in the same system now too. Yeah, that is cool. And just to touch on that uh, improvement that Ben was just talking about, it looks like he cut his strikeout rate from 22.8% to 14.8%. So that's quite a big adjustment over the course of just one year. More walks than strikeouts, too. Yeah, and that's that's so big for him, considering that strikeouts were his big concern. And that that like that is the big concern. Everything else is good. Like he hits the crap out of the ball, and everything else looks good. He's fast. I mean, I, I think that the strikeout rate was a big concern. He made huge improvements his last year. All right, that was a lot of uh, that was a lot of MLB draft talk. I, I liked that. That was good. Um, they will be draft. This is the first year where I've been as into it as I was. Um, and it's fun. Like, I, I really like it. It's exciting. And I think the reason why I've gotten so into it is just because, like, the first players that I really remember, like, seeing them drafted, like, Adley, I guess, is really the guy that comes to mind. I remember when he was drafted, I remember like being somewhat involved in that draft and watching him come up and now be good in the majors is really cool. And I think that kind of made me realize like, dang, like I really need to be watching these drafts and it was fun. And I think it's going to be fun to kind of follow some of these players. Cause I, I had not really been into the draft prior to, like I said, that ad the year. So it's cool to see him up and doing good stuff now. Um, we're going to, do a little Vance, you got something to say? Yeah, I think just a fun little game real quick. Who do we think is going to be the first out of the draft class to reach the majors? I mean, it seems it seems like kind of a cop-out answer, but I do feel like it's just going to be Paul Skeens. Like his arsenal already looks like a major league pitcher's arsenal. He's like 22, 23 already. So I, I think he's going to, even if it's like a, in a relief role at first, but I think Skeens could, they'll probably try and limit his innings. They probably, we probably won't see him this year, but I wouldn't. Are they shutting him down this year? I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Um, but I think it'll still be Skeens personally. But also, like I said, I don't really know much about the people that were drafted, like, out of really, like, the first round. So Ben's probably the guy to ask about this. Um, yeah, I think Skeens has a really good chance. I don't think he makes more than, like, 12 starts in the minor leagues. You're kind of just wasting bullets, right? Like, he, what's he going to work on? Like, the stuff is already there. The control's there. I mean, he had 18 walks in, like, 130 innings. Like, and he throws 100 and just paints with it. So I think he probably is the guy who will get there first. But my dark horse answer is going to be the Angels' Nolan Chenal. Um, the Angels love jacking prospects up quick. I think Zach Neto played, like, less than 50 games in the minor leagues. And Nolan Chenal is a polished college hitter. You're not even going to believe this K-to-walk ratio, but he had 74 walks and, like, 14 Ks. And you're like, oh, he's a contact hitter. Uh, he didn't have any power, right? 19 home runs 
and he hit like 16 last year. So he's got a track record too. He did play for Florida Atlantic, but the Angels love bringing guys up quick. I think that's a guy who is going to be able to compete and have good major league at-bats almost right now with that kind of eye at the dish. So I think that's a guy who could be up by the All-Star break next year if uh, the Angels are feeling cheeky. Wait, yeah, I'm reading about him right now. It sounds like he's got almost everything. I guess it sounds like maybe the one concern is that he doesn't have necessarily like the top-end raw power that you would like to see out of a first baseman. But 57 more walks than strikeouts in a year, and he hit 444 with 19 homers. Like that sounds like that sounds pretty incredible to me. That's why I wanted the Cubs to take. I was pissed the Angels took him. I, I figured he'd fall farther than that, but yeah. he seems to be a real good hitter, man, and probably gonna rise through quick. Kind of the Vinny Pascatino build. Yeah, yeah, and you know I love Vinny. Um, but, and the Angels are, they, not only Zach Neto didn't play very much in the minors, but Ben Joyce, the pitcher that they took, I think it was, was it not last year? I think they took Ben Joyce last year and, uh, he ended up, he's already pitching for them in their their bullpen. So he, they do love bringing their arms up quick. And their first rounder from the year before is already up in their bullpen. Um, and he threw less than 50 innings in the minors was hurt last year. So they just figured out. They, they, love, bring they love getting them up there. Realistically, I think it's for the Otani push, but. Yeah, who, that's fair. They are dumb and might keep doing it. That's fair. All right, next up, uh, I want to, unless anybody else has anything to say about that stuff, I want to kind of jump into like some midseason awards, like looking back at the first half um, and kind of just dictating you know, what we thought went the best, went the worst. I put some ideas on here, but you guys can kind of, you can just go through like the actual awards in baseball if you wanted to do that. Um, but Vance, so we can start with you. Do you have any uh, midseason awards? The examples that I gave were most drip, uh, most underappreciated first half, most overrated first half, and biggest disappointments. So too good and too bad. Um, yeah, I'd say my big disappointment is Pete Alonzo. Uh, you know, Mets had a lot of expectations riding. He was their key offensive guy, and I feel like he just hasn't quite been the Pete Alonzo standard that we've really gotten to know. You know, he's a prolific power hitter. He's probably a top five power hitter for the next five years. Um, so kind of disappointing to see this kind of off year, but, uh, yeah, so I go most disappointing is him. Uh, my most surprising, let me pass on that for now and I'll think about it. Come back to me. Yeah, Ben, you got any of, uh, any of these words, Steve? Uh, yeah, so. Most drip, uh, I'm going to go with a little unexpected answer and go Yiner Cano. The K stare down is incredibly drippy, and he's a mountain of a man. Awesome story, too. So I really like Yiner Cano. Uh, most underappreciated season, I was talking to Nick about this before the pod started. I'm going to go with Josh Naylor. He had two home runs and seven RBIs tonight, but that's not you know the only reason. That brings him up to 
15 homers and 75 RBIs in like 84 games on the season. So he's been absolutely going nuts. His batting average is also north of, north of 300. And I feel like nobody's really talking about the guy. He's been arguably like a top 10 hitter in the American League this year. Um, and my most overrated, I'm going to go with uh, maybe a surprise pick here. I'm going to go with Marcus Stroman. Um, he's been really good, very solid for the Cubs. I think he still leads the MLB in quality starts. However, it's getting kind of annoying, like list, like having to see Cubs Twitter just rant about wanting us to re-sign him when his value's probably never been higher right now. Like if they would have re-signed him when they wanted him to, when Stroman had like a 2-2 ERA, we would have paid out of our like ass. And he like has come back to earth since and has an ERA around three. Like I don't think he's going to be this good the rest of the way. And it's like kind of annoying listening to Cubs fans be like, what we, why, why would we get rid of Stroman? And it's like, because it makes a lot of sense. And uh, so I think those are my uh, halfway through the season picks. I think my most drip is going to be Ronald Acuna. Um, I think it's just indisputable. I appreciate the, uh, the kind of dark horse picks as well, but I think Acuna is just so sick. And like among, I saw a graphic like among guys who have hit 20 home runs, like the steals leaders. And he has like, 30 more steals than the next guy. He's just been playing out of his mind this year, and he's been so fun to watch. The Braves' whole offense really has been insane. Um, most underappreciated first half, I'm actually going to stick with the uh, Baltimore bullpen right alongside you, Ben. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Bautista, Felix Bautista. I think um, – I don't know. I don't think he gets talked about enough. I think he's been by far the best reliever in all of Major League Baseball. Um, and he's he hasn't given up a hit in all of July. He's His ERA is sub one, I'm pretty sure. I can take a look and double check here. His ERA is right at one. Um, he has 87 Ks. I think he's going to – I think he's on pace for breaking the K percentage record right now. Like, he's just been so, so good this year. And I honestly don't think I've seen enough about him. Thoughts uh, about um, Orioles fans calling him King Felix, though? I saw that video of the reporter, like, going and asking him. That's so – like, if they want to call him King Felix, that's fine. Like, I was just saying, he's about to break the K percentage record. Like, he's amazing. If you want to call him King Felix, call him King Felix. But that – Seattle reporter going up to him at the all-star game like hey how do you feel about your social media team calling you King Felix and he's like uh I don't know he's like do you think they should stop yeah I guess and like the Seattle reporter is like on the brink of tears because they're calling this guy King Felix he's like no way that's that's Felix Hernandez nobody else like this guy it's like grow up nobody cares like this guy is amazing if they want to call him King Felix that's fine Sorry, that kind of was a soapbox, but that just that really frustrated me watching that video of the reporter like going up to this guy who's in the middle of like one of the best relief seasons that we've ever seen and saying like, "Tell your social media team to stop calling you King Felix." Like, no, shut up. That's so annoying. Oh, that, that annoyed that annoyed me so much. 
it is lazy nickname wise. Like, come on. Yeah, but like, I, I think it. <laughs> King Felix is just a sick name. I don't know. It is. I like the mountain for Felix Batista better. I heard the mountain as a nickname, and I like that. He's like six yeah. eight. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think what really got the Seattle fans going was when the tweet that said like. I can't remember the new King Felix or I don't remember exactly what it said. Like he's the new King Felix or then I don't remember exactly what it was, but it got a bunch of Seattle fans up in arms and I'm like, grow up. It's fine. Granted, I didn't really watch much of Felix Hernandez because I wasn't really a big baseball fan until after like 2010. So it's hard. I guess it's hard for me. I got, I'm trying to think of another example. Like if some basketball player, when I'm, 40 comes up and his name is you know james something they're trying to call him the new king james i'd be like okay that's fine i don't know i i I can't imagine i'd get all up in arms about it but who knows but yeah no i think it's fine to call him king dudes i think he's had a super underappreciated first half i mean it's underappreciated just by evidence of that guy like going up to him and asking that, like you're talking to the guy who's having like one of the best relief seasons in the history of baseball. Like relax. Um, most overrated first half. I don't know that I really thought about this one much. It kind of hurts me to say a little bit, but Mitch Keller. Um, I had a prediction before um, before the season that Mitch Keller was going to be this year's uh, Cy Young, Robbie Ray. Like when he kind of came out of nowhere, and was really good. Um, that obviously hasn't really come to fruition. He started off really well, and I think he's made a lot of improvements. But his stuff just doesn't quite move the needle like it needs to to be like that Cy Young winner that I thought maybe he could be. Um, biggest disappointment for me, this one hurts me a little bit, a lot of it actually because he's on my Dynasty team, Christian Javier. I think Christian Javier has been a massive disappointment. I thought that his... Uh, his combination of like ground ball rate and his potential strikeout rate. I thought Christian Javier was going to be, I thought he was going to make, you know, Cy Young, a Cy Young needle tick, but he just really has not. Not only has he done that, but he's moved in the total opposite direction. And now he's barely even startable. I'd, I'd say he's not even startable in fantasy right now, which, which really kind of sucks. And obviously I don't think, you should like sell him right now. I think he will be better eventually, but I don't know. It's just been a really disappointing season for him in terms of where I thought he could potentially be. Um, and I can maybe try and think of some other like big disappointments or overrated first halves as well. But uh, Vansel, you said that I would uh, come back to you. Have you thought up some answers? Yep, I'm back. Uh, my most drippy, uh, Bo Bichette. I'm just a big Boba Chef fan, so I feel like I have to answer that. Uh, but my underrated season is Kevin Gosman. I feel like he hasn't really been talked about enough, but, I mean, quality starts wise. He's at 14. Leaders are at 15, so he's right there. And he's got just above a three ERA. And really, that's just because when – he does give up runs. They come in bunches because that's usually just because his splitter isn't really working. So he gives up like seven runs over three innings, which just inflates his numbers. I feel like if you took those starts out, he'd be at like a two ERA. 
and uh, strikeouts. He's only behind Spencer Strider. He's getting a lot of innings, obviously, with all the quality starts. So I feel like he's not really talked about enough. I mean, uh, he's got to be up there in the Cy Young candidate list. So I feel like he's really the – I mean, he's got to be the main one holding the Blue Jays pitching staff together, too, because, I mean, every time he goes out, it's just six, seven innings, saving the bullpen some. So I'll go him for underrated season. Yeah, I've got a couple more. Uh, I think Jorge Soler hasn't really been talked about very much. He's got 24 home runs, which is crazy. He's almost on pace for uh, 50. And I don't really think many people are talking about him. Um, biggest disappointment. I've got another one in Byron Buxton. Um, he's just, he is not played. He's batting under the Mendoza line. He's at 196 on the year. He still has 15 home runs and eight steals. So like if he's, if you're in a categories league, like he's kind of moving the needle a little bit, but like, I don't think you can really get over the 196 average. Like, I don't think it's worth it. Uh, he's 0 for his last 21 with 13 strikeouts in his last five games, which is just abysmal. And he's just, he's 29 years old. Like, I just really think he's playing hurt and has been playing hurt a lot of the year. He just cannot stay healthy. He's been a huge disappointment. I always thought he was going to be like MVP caliber type player. And he's just, I'm starting to lose hope that he's ever going to be there, which is a huge bummer because I think, I mean, honestly, I think it's like up there with Derrick Rose in terms of raw talent that we're never really going to see quite come to fruition with Byron Buxton because he's just never healthy. But didn't Derrick Rose win an MVP one year? Or am I remembering? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Byron Buxton is even in a worse scenario because I – I mean, I can't remember a season where he played a whole season and was fully healthy the whole time. Like he's just such, such a tremendous talent, and it really is painful to watch him go through these struggles due to his injuries. Um, and then another big disappointment. I'm going to do another one. Uh, I'm going to say Wilson Contreras along with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals as a whole. Um, I think just the whole thing that they did with him at the beginning of the season was just a huge blunder. Um, he hasn't been, he hasn't really been that bad. I guess biggest disappointment is kind of an overstatement. Um, but I just think that the Cardinals really kind of messed with his confidence and he could, he could have been like a big piece for us. Um, and he's kind of brought up his slash line over the last few days. He's batting over 500 in his last five games, but or his last 11 games. Sorry. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, he's he's brought up his his season long numbers a lot over the last like couple weeks, but I do think that the Cardinals kind of messed up with him, and um, he could have been a big piece with their offense that we were kind of missing. Underrated, I think Lars Newbar is up there. And I think he's underappreciated by even the Cardinals themselves. Um, his OPS is great. He gets on base, hits the ball hard, and the Cardinals refuse to keep him at the top of the lineup every single day. Okay, I'm done. I'm done going on my soapbox about all these players, but I think that's that's some of my midseason awards. 
Um, I think just the fact that we didn't mention uh, uh, Corbin Carroll as most drip, I think he deserves to be up there. He's been super fun to watch. And he, I thought, was going to be out for the rest of the season when he had that shoulder injury scare. And then he's in the lineup the next day. I thought that was ridiculous. And he hasn't, hasn't missed a beat since. So he's been, he's been really great and really fun to watch as well. Um, so I, I copied and pasted into our uh, show notes here. I've got all of our preseason um, predictions, like whether it be division winners or wild card, uh, World Series predictions, uh, Dark Horse World Series, MVP predictions, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm going to start with Vansel here. Vansel, I want you to pick maybe two or three of these predictions. Uh, they don't even have to be yours necessarily that you want to talk about. You could flame me or flame, you know, Ben or Brock. We could, we should, we should flame Brock while he's not here even. Um, just talk about two or three of these predictions that you that you see that have either really played out or if there's like a trend. Like I see the NL Central. We were all saying the Cardinals are a little biased, but what's another one that wouldn't have been biased? Uh, yeah, there was a dark horse pick that somebody picked the Dodgers, who, as we were talking before the show started, we believe had the best World Series odds coming into the season. So I think that's still just a terrible pick. Uh, I think my best pick is the Luis Robert dark horse MVP. He's had, he's really putting it all together, I guess, now for, um, I mean, probably the first time since that COVID season. So that's fun to see. A shame that the White Sox are so disappointing. Um, so, I mean, if Shohei gets traded to an NL team, that that dark horse pick that I remember no one supported, it's, you know, looking like it could come to fruition. Um Another thing that stood out to me is that me, Ben, and Brock, we all picked the Padres, and they've been pretty disappointing. Kind of crazy that a team with that much talent is struggling as much as they are. I guess the same could be said about the Mets. Um, Yeah, let me look at some of the awards because there was one that stood out to me too. Jordan MVP, shame that he's been hurt. Um, where to go? Oh, yeah, I picked the Braves to win it all. And I think that pick is looking pretty solid right now. So I'm happy about that. Hoping that my World Series overall comes to be true. I had them beating the Blue Jays in either five or six. Where was it? Yeah, Braves over Blue Jays in five. So I think that'd be cool. I got that right. Yeah, I think the why well, I, I even mentioned in our group chat that I thought that Lewis Robert AL MVP pick was one of my favorites when I was scrolling through the uh, the old predictions. Um, like I also see that I predicted Shohei for AL MVP, which obviously is the front runner, and it made me think. I I don't know why I just predict the obvious favorite like that that's no fun at all like yes my prediction is looking like it's going to be true but i don't know that's not fun like the fact that you predicted lewis robert and he's you know up there probably second place right now um like that's fun like yes i'm even though i'm correct 
it's not fun. So I don't think I'm going to predict the by far and away favorites anymore in the future. I'll try and like grab like a guy who um, I think has a chance that other people wouldn't really think of in the future. Ben, you have any picks that you want to highlight here? Uh, well, Nick, we're going to be switching strategies because the only picks that hit for me, like even close, were the obvious favorites. Uh, I had Otani for AL MVP and then Gunner for AL Rookie of the Year. Not that Gunner's the favorite for that, but he's definitely in the top two, definitely in the mix. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite pick I made. Since I made so many terrible ones, like I had the Phillies winning the NL East, um, I did have the Rays winning the AL East, so that's a pretty solid pick. I like that one. Still like the Rays. Shame all their pitching's hurt, but I imagine they're going to reach into the the farm a little bit this offseason, go get some arms, hoping the Cubs work out a deal with them, honestly. Um, and then my other pick I really liked was actually not a pick at all. It was my pick to not have the Yankees in the playoffs. Um, I didn't really like the Yankees roster going into the year. Um, most of their best players are all really injury-prone. Uh, the rotation was a question mark, um, so – I think not having the Yankees in the playoffs is a pretty good pick. As far as my awards go, though, my picks were all garbage, um, except for Otani and Gunner. Um, everything else was uh, relatively terrible. You know, I have uh, both my Scion picks have ERAs over four, uh, and Kyle Schwarber, my MVP pick for the National League, is hitting like 190. So, very, very rough, uh, rough stretch for me. Yeah, the uh, last place Yankees. So we, we love to see that on this podcast. Um, I also picked the Phillies to win the East, but I'll actually one-up you even and say that I picked the Phillies to win the uh, World Series. So that has obviously not looked good. Um, I also picked the Rays to win the East, the AL East, which was which is good. I had the Dodgers winning the West, which I think looks good. Um, we overwhelmingly picked the Cardinals to win the Central, and that has not been good. You picked the Brewers, which has been good. I had the White Sox winning the AL Central. They've also been just a massive disappointment as a team. That one's been tough. Um, and then I guess, like I, like my Shohei for MVP obviously looks good. My NL MVP, Trey Turner, he's been a pretty big disappointment. Um, I think Brock, Brock Mookie Betts' pick here is pretty good. Um, Brock's uh, Cole, Garrett Cole pick for AL Cy Young looks like it's pretty good. My DeGrom pick is not aging very well. My NOLA pick isn't aging very well. Okay, I've gotten to my first pick that I like quite a bit, and the rookie of the year for the AL being Yoshida. Um, I think he's probably the favorite right now. I'm trying to think of another AL guy that would be ahead of him, and I can't really. It's him or Gunner. Yeah, him or Gunner right now. Uh, Josh Young was looking like maybe he was going to, make that step and maybe be in the conversation, but his strikeout rates way back up over the last month or so. And he's not looked that good. Um, so, so yeah, I guess I'm, I'm proud of my Yoshida pick. I think that looks good. He looks like he's just hitting everything right now. And then I'm also, I think I'm proud about picking the Dodgers in the NL West over the Padres. Um, obviously that's looked good. The Padres have been a pretty big disappointment as well. Um, my NL rookie of the year, I picked Gavin Stone. I thought his changeup was going to be unhittable in the majors when he got called up. He even got the chance, um, but just that has not come to fruition at all. His changeup was not as good. I think that 
like the the model that we were talking about before, the Enoceras pitching plus model just really doesn't like changeups. And I think, yeah, and I think maybe that's just like guys that have good changeups. I'm starting to just be skeptical of. Like if if they're coming up and they're big pitches, like oh he's got this incredible changeup. Like I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of major league pitchers that kind of have that profile. Um, Luis Castillo, isn't he a big changeup guy? Yeah, he would fit there. Yeah. Mom, I, I also throws 100 from a funky arm angle, so. Right, right. Like, like it's not like he just sits on that changeup. Yeah, but his changeup is, I think, considered his best pitch. But I can't think of many guys that are super successful. Logan Webb throws it 30% of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I've I've been pretty disappointed, in Gavin. So his stuff looks bad. Like I'm worried about his career in general. If I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah, I think that that pretty much sums it up for the uh, for the uh, revisiting our divisional winner predictions. Let's see if we can't find any of Brock's predictions. Brock predicted the Mets. That's pretty bad. Yankees too. Mets, Padres, Yankees. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bad. Wow. Mets, Cardinals, Padres, Yankees. Okay, Twins are good, and Mariners are not. Twins really aren't that good. Oh, wait. You're right. The Twins' offense has been horrible. Yeah. I mean, the Guardians are only game back again. But they are still in first, yep. though, right? Yes. Okay. But, you know, that division's kind of – not good, so could go either way. He also had Volpe for AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, that's been a pretty bad pick, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, you guys have uh, anything before? Oh, I guess before we uh, end the pod, we should, we should try and discuss. I said we were going to discuss this on the pod about, um, like, schedule moving forward. I think we're definitely going to do at least every other week, but I honestly would be open to trying to do every week if we wanted to like shorten pods to an hour or just have a pod every week scheduled. And even if we don't have a ton to talk about, we can just get on here and talk for like 20, 30 minutes and just do a real short one each week. I think that I, I would be willing to do even just a short little pod every, every Tuesday, honestly. I'm in. Yeah. I think shorter makes it more feasible. Yeah. Like, and, and even if we have, like, two or three guys, kind of like we have here, only three guys, like, if only two guys can hop on and just chat for, like, 30 minutes and put out put out a pod on a Tuesday night, I think that's I think that's fine. So I think we'll, mm -hmm. we'll plan on doing each Tuesday moving forward. But like I said, we'll kind of try and condense them a little bit more. Um, but every once in a while, we could have a long one, too. We'll just have to kind of play it by ear. We still need to do our best names in baseball draft. Um, we'll kind of try and figure out when that is going to be. Probably not next week because I don't want to do two long shows in a row, uh, but maybe the week following that. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. You guys have any uh, final thoughts before we uh, head out? Looks like we're going to be back each week now in your all's uh, podcast feed, so that's exciting. We appreciate you listening each week. Yeah, I have a couple final thoughts. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, I mean, my first one is I hope Brock's test went well. Um, if you're listening, Brock, I hope it went well. Uh, I am nervous that if we lose Brock, does that mean we lose Brock's dad? That's a concern that I have. He's, you know, probably 100% of our feedback. 
so I hope Brock's dad is still here, Mr. Malone. I hope you're listening. Um, and shout out to Paul because that seems to be the common thing to do. Yes, shout out Paul. Shout out Kieran. I hope you're uh, you're running hard out there. Uh, ben, you got any uh, any final thoughts? Also, shout out to Marcus. We got some good feedback from him. He wanted more fiery takes. I don't know if we had that today, but I don't really have any shout outs. And it's uh, it's past my bedtime, so I'm I'm out of thoughts as well. So no final thoughts either. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's starting to be pushing my bedtime over in Pacific time. I can't imagine how you guys are doing over there. Um, yeah, well, that was a that was a good show, boys. Like I said, we'll try and do uh, each Tuesday moving forward here. Maybe um, have a couple of abbreviated shows here and there. Um, and we'll try and plan out that uh, best names in baseball draft. I've got definitely got some people in mind. Uh, like I said, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me, you too, uh, and doing this chat. Uh, like Vansel said, hopefully that test went well. Brock said he was going to join about an hour and a half ago was his prediction. So that is a little bit concerning. Um, well, if it's anything like his division predictions, we shouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good podcast, boys. And we'll, uh, we'll see. You. Oh, Brock just entered the waiting room right now. Should we bring him on? I think we have to. Yeah, I think we have to as well. Wow. Just ask him this question and we can leave. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Just inter- I'll just introduce him. The question. Okay, so when I admit him, I'm going to do his intro. I'm going to ask him the question, and then we all just we just end the podcast. Works for me. All right, and last but not least, I am honored to welcome high school football district champion and the greatest intramural quarterback that Truman State University has ever seen. Legend has it, he can hit a dime from 60 yards with his eyes closed. Number six on the field, but number four on this podcast. Palmyra native Brock. Brock, I have a question for you. If I were to give you the option to go to a Taylor Taylor Swift Eras Tour concert this weekend or a Cardinals game, and let's say that the seats are equivalent. So you go to one Cardinals game or the Eras Show Tour, and you could either be like in the front row of both or you could be like, you know, nosebleeds for both. But just assume that the seats are equivalent. Which one are you picking? So do I just get the ticket itself or I have to go and experience it? Ooh, that's actually a good question because you could sell the Taylor Swift ticket for like $12,000. Um, let's say let's say you're actually going and experiencing it. Um, I'd go to the Cardinals game. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. That's but too just, many crazy I, girls. I feel like this whole Eras Tour thing, though, is like a big cultural moment. Like, I would go just to experience it, you know? Like, I could go to – there's a Cardinals game every single day. Just go the next day. You bring up good points, but I'm really not a fan of Taylor Swift. I think I I would stick it out and go to the Cardinals game. Okay, fair enough. And I thought it was a good question (laughs) because – Also, the Cardinals have been horrible this year. So, um, And then I had a bonus question for the other guys as well. Um, what movie are you going to go watch this weekend? Oppenheimer. Yeah. Are you even uh, – are you for sure going to watch Oppenheimer this weekend? Um, Probably not this weekend, but maybe. I've heard that you need to watch it in IMAX theaters. Well, there's none really around, so – 
I don't know, maybe try to plan a trip and go watch it at one of those. Yeah, I think I want to go see it. We chatted about it for an extended period of time. Well, we were uh, we were doing outros before before you uh, hopped in here, so I don't know if you uh, looked at the uh, the podcast notes or want anything, want to say anything, or I think uh, Ben said he wanted to go to bed. Vance was getting ready to go as well. Okay, yeah, I just had to jump on to make sure I I made it, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We uh, we kind of roasted some of your. Uh, your preseason picks, your uh, division winners picks are all pretty rough. Um, Mets, Cards, Padres, Yankees, yeah. well, Twins, Twins, we said looks good. How, how the is lost. Yeah. Okay, I do want to ask you one question before we go. And Ben and Vance, so you guys can hop off if you were uh, trying to get out of here and go to bed. Um, but I'm curious with, like, the All-Star game, All-Star weekend, how that all went. Um, are you a, are you a home run derby game or a home run derby guy? Or are you an all-star game guy? Do you prefer one over the other? Um, that's a good question. I think that I prefer the all-star game. I don't know. I didn't really watch the all-star game though. And I did watch the home run derby. <laughs> um, the home run derby is exciting, but there weren't really any guys in it that I particularly wanted to see. I mean, Julio was fun to watch for one round, but um, I don't know. I wasn't super excited this year, but I did do usually watch the all-star game. Um, growing up, we went to the all-star game and that's probably just bias there, but I'm really not a huge fan of the all-star weekend as I get older. I don't know. I just lost, lost the, uh, what's the, uh, Polar Express, the, you don't hear the ringing of the bells anymore. Yeah. It just doesn't have the nostalgia that it used to, I guess. <laughs> I think Ben probably feels the same way. We roasted it. Yeah, I think, honestly, a lot of us had pretty similar takes that we preferred the All-Star game, but maybe watched a little bit more of the Home Run Derby. And, yeah. I do have an interesting question, though. Did you hear the stuff about King Griffey Jr. saying that he would do, um, like, an old veterans Home Run Derby? Yeah, I just I can't imagine that being fun. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm 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 thinking about it. Well, I think I also plays into it that I really haven't been a base a huge baseball fan until like the last like ten or fifteen years. So I think that plays a role. But also, like how how many home runs is a guy that's like fifty years old gonna be able to go out there and hit? Uh, that's probably fair. I think that they would have to do the old. Um, home run derby rules where it was just like 10 outs instead of the time limit yeah i saw a lot of people on social media arguing that they should just switch back to that regardless just because the time limit one like guys are just getting gassed and you're just throwing them pitch after pitch and it's not as fun to watch because like with the out one like every single pitch you get to watch it like the whole flight of the ball and also just the cameras for the home run derby were ridiculously bad this year i don't know if you guys also experienced this like the camera would be like on the pitcher, he throws it, he hits it, and then you're like trying to follow the ball, and all of a sudden, like you don't even watch the ball land, and then you cut back to the guy who's swinging. It's just like if you just had a camera behind the hitter, like watching all the balls, I feel like that would be infinitely better. But I could be wrong. No, I think you're probably right. I, I don't know the um, 
the guys who hit the most home runs in the first round then losing in the second round because they're gassed is just yeah unfortunate. Like Julio hit too many home runs because he wanted to beat Pete Alonso and then yeah. he couldn't get out of the next round. So kind of punished him for putting on a great show in the first round. That's frustrating to me, I guess. Yeah. All right. Anybody have any uh, final thoughts before we uh, peace out here? Uh, Mark McGuire would hit 15 out if there was an old man's home run derby. <laughs> that guy's forearms still look like tree trunks. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, I would watch the old man home run derby if they made steroids legal. <laughs> give, give them metal bats, and I guarantee you it's a good show. Yeah, let's let's juice up some 55-year-olds, give them metal bats, and watch them just hit tanks. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely watch that. All right. Well, well, I guess they put the kids I, in the outfield. I, I, Brock, if you want to stay on for a while, I'll stay on with you if you want to keep going through some stuff. But uh, that's okay. I just I was taking a test and I passed, and I'm honestly kind of tired. But yeah, how did the uh, I guess the test, the you passed the test, so that's good. What what kind of test are we talking about? You didn't give us much context in the group chat. Yeah, I'll text you in the group chat. Sounds. Oh, I'll tell good. you. I was taking an appraisal test. That means nothing to me, but uh, that, that, that sounds that sounds good. Do you have any, I guess, mid-season awards like looking back at the first half? Do you have a biggest disappointment, most overrated, or anybody you want to highlight specifically? Most drip I put on here, but we know that's Acuna. Yeah, I would say – can you give those again? Sorry, my dog was barking. <laughs> most – so I've got most drip, most underappreciated first half, most overrated first half, and biggest disappointment. I would say the biggest trip is definitely LA Day of the Cruise. Um, disappointment, I would say, is it team or player? Uh, we were doing players. Player, I think it's mostly due to injury, but Joran Alvarez is my favorite um, to win the MVP, and he hasn't been that quite yet. Um most exciting, I think, Corbin Carroll. Um, he's had another great game today. Um, he had a little shoulder injury right before the All-Star break, but I think he's healthy and he's been really good. Um, and then Alec Manoa, <laughs> probably a, at least top 20 pitcher coming into the season and got lit up today again, so... Yeah, I was, I was uh, pretty frustrated when I dropped him and then he got called back up and then that first start looked pretty good and he was on somebody else's roster. I was a little bit vindicated when he got blown up again today. However, I do feel bad for him as he had, I think it was in the very first inning with Juan Soto. He had Juan Soto watched strike three and it got called a ball. And then Juan Soto, like two pitches later, hits a two-run dinger and then he just didn't recover from that. So I do think that maybe he was a little bit better than his line was today. He didn't get a single strikeout, which obviously is bad and only got nine outs. Um, I, I think Alec Manoa, I think people got excited about his last start and they thought he had figured it all out. And I think this start kind of just showed us that that at least doesn't quite yet appear to be the case. All right, we will, uh, we'll, we'll call it quits there. Uh, any uh, final words from Vansel Ben or Brock? 
Moist. Brock, Brock, we shouted out your dad earlier. We hope that he listens um, despite the uh, lack of Brock in this show. (laughs) I'm sure he will. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it.